He's now on live stream recording. I would so just, let me give you. Let me give you this, Moses, before he starts. My grandson Isaac Shama, my daughter Frida, we start. We, start, we started. Me. Mark, we started. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> About to start, Lars. About to start. Okay, here we go. Okay, here we are. Okay. So we're going to <clears throat> mute all. Raise your hands if you'd like. And um, we're going to start. Okay, so last uh, time on Thursday, we left off with the Mishnah. And we'll read the Mishnah again, and Baruch Hashem, with the Siyata uh, Dishmaya, we found a very new, innovative perush in this Mishnah. Okay, so again, we're talking about a Shmaya of Talion. They're going to be the rabbis of Shammai and Hillel. They received from the previous generation. And they said the following three things, and there's always a connection. Number one, Ehov et love working. Number two, Sna et Hate Positions of power. Aslan told us, do not understand that it's not at a, at a, at, at, at hate the rabbis. It means hate positions of greatness. Rabbanut means high, lofty. Hate loftiness. Love work. Hate loftiness. And don't get yourself known, le rashut. Rashut literally means uh, uh, power, strength, control. It's a strange word. Okay, so now we have to know, what does that have to do with last Mishnah? Last Mishnah was talking about judges. It was all about judges. Remember, don't have lawyers. Don't be like lawyers. When the plaintiffs come in front of you, you should look at them like they're right, like they're, like they're wicked. And then after they leave, they should look like them. they're righteous. And the next Mishnah said, make, make sure to cross-examine the witnesses. So what does that have to do with our discussion now that's telling me about, um, this one's arranged something here, sorry. What's, what's the Mishnah, what's this discussion now? What's the relevance to our Mishnah over here that says love work and hate positions of power? So first we quote the Ritva. The Ritva tells us <clears throat> that a <coughs> rule, he says, I don't know this to be true nowadays, but 800 years ago he says, Rov hadayanim halva'ot. Most cases where people come to court is they're coming to court over a situation of a loan. They borrowed money they didn't, and they didn't pay it back. Why do people have to borrow money? Because they're not working. Therefore, love work. So he's trying to find a way that this is a connection to last Mishnah. But now the Sefer Midrash Shemuel, we've been quoting from a lot. He's a student by Rizal. He has a very big Hidush. He says this, we're talking to the judge now. We're talking to the judge. And we're telling the judge, love work, the judge, who, who's, who's a judge, love, work, and hate positions of power. What does that mean? And Rav Chaim Velashen, I found, says the exact same thing. We'll read his words in a minute. But he says, the job of being a judge or a rabbi, says Rav Chaim Velashen, has two sides to the coin. One half of the job is hard work. A judge is hard work. You have to learn the sugya. You have to delve into it. You have to look up something. The job of a rabbi, it's hard work. It's hard work. You've got to prepare the class. You have to give the class. It's work. Now, there's also another aspect to it. It's a position of greatness. You, you get to be, uh, you get to uh, get a bit of by a wedding. You get, uh, I don't know, you get uh, perks. 
rabbis get perks. So when you, we're talking now to the judge and to the rabbi and say, you're going to the judge and rabbi business. Don't go into the judge and rabbi business because of the perks and the fame and the glory and the honor. That's not what you're doing it for. You're doing it for the hard work. Love the work. Love the toil on the Gemara. Love, love giving the class. Love preparing the classes. Don't say, I'm going in there. Oh, look at that. I see this a rabbi. He gets, he sits on the front, he sits on the stage. Uh, well, you know, he gets to go on bar mitzvah trips to Israel. Uh, his name is in the paper. Wow, I want to be a rabbi one day. That's not the reason you're supposed to be a rabbi. I remember once someone told me his son was, uh, was learning. He says, I want to be a rabbi. He says, what kind of place? Not, not a regular rabbi. I want to be like the rabbi that puts out CDs. That's not the point. The point is not to be famous. The point is to love the hard work. Now, the, the um, Chaim Belajan, who lived 210 years ago, says an interesting thing. He says, rabim, due to our sins, now it's the opposite. People love the position, but they hate the work. The work is to understand the sugya, to learn bikiut, to learn biyun. That's difficult stuff. But what, what a person's supposed to love is only love the work aspect, the learning. But the rabbanut aspect, the position of power, you should, that's going to that's gonna bring you down. And he brings on stories of rabbis that were careful in, in, how they, in how they were not, not that the kavod shouldn't go to their heads. So that's a new explanation, this Mishnah, explaining the connection, excuse me, to the, to the last one. Another new innovative pshat. Before we go to the standard pshat, we're going to have a few innovative ap- approaches to this Mishnah. The next one is, what's wrong? The two things we're discussing now is love work and hate positions of power. Now, we mentioned this before, if a person doesn't work and they have too much free time, they're running after pleasures. The, the children of millionaires and billionaires, they have no work to do, they get into trouble. They have fancy cars and fancy this and running around and nothing to do and they're getting themselves into trouble. So no work, number one, causes ta'ava. Positions of power causes ga'ava. The two things that the Yetzirah feeds on is Tava and Gava. The Yetzirah lives off of desire and arrogance. Those are his two main, that's like you have the Petri dish. When you go for a uh, culture to see if you have strep throat, they take that, um, <clears throat> that Q-tip, they put it down your throat and they rub it. What's on the, on the Q-tip? If you have strep, strep is actually short for streptococcus. Streptococcus is the name of that uh, bacteria. They put the streptococcus on this, on this Petri dish. A Petri dish is made out of lamb's blood. It's red because it's blood. And this uh, bacteria grows on the blood. So if the doctor pulls it out the next day and he sees something growing on it, he knows that there is a bacteria there. The streptococcus bacteria grows on a Petri dish. If you put the, if you put the streptococcus on, 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 a, on a, some piece of chicken, it might not grow. It needs to have a, a certain atmosphere. That's the Petri dish, and that's what it grows on. That's how they test for the sickness. Similarly, the Yetzir Hara needs something to grow on. Everyone has Yetzir but what does the Yetzir grow on? He grows on Gava and Tava. So therefore, the Midrash Shmuel comes up with this innovative explanation to our Mishnah. And he says, <laughs> what does it mean to love work? It means be working. Don't get involved in desire. 
hate positions of power. What's that going to do? Al titvadal rashut. Now, who's rashut? Rashut was a strange word. We said literally it meant the government, the one in power. That's not the way to say it. He says, you know what rashut is referring to? The Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is rashut. He's the one that's in control. He says, if you want to stay out of the Yetzirah, you want to be unknown to the Yetzirah, you want to stay under the Yetzirah's radar, I'll give you the two pieces of advice. The two pieces of advice are, number one, keep busy. Because if you keep busy, then you will, <clears throat> you will not get into desire. And number two is, you should not chase after positions of power because that's going to cause arrogance. Okay, so now, last week we quoted the Rambam that told us love work because, um, <clears throat> like I said before, if you don't work, you're going to get yourself, uh, you're going to get yourself crazy. The Midrash Mo makes a duke. He says, Ehov et ha-melacha. It doesn't say love your salary, love your job. This is a very important rule. Love your job. It means everybody in this world it was given a job. God created the world as such. We have jobs. Different people have different positions. And everything's necessary for the person's growth, for the person's tikkun in this world. And God blesses everyone, not only that he has a job, but that there's a chen, there's an enjoyment on your job. You're having a job. And we spoke from the Chovot Lovot in, in Shara Bitachom. A person should not jump from position to position. He has a job, love your job. So it doesn't say, I hope, love your salary. Whatever you have a job, say, thank you, Hashem, I have a job, and love your job. Love your job. There's no one that loves his job more than Steve Shammah. Steve? Thank you. Steve loves his job. You could say, what's the guy doing? He's going up and down the roller coaster all day. He loves his job. He's thrilled about his job. He loves his job. That's what you're supposed to be. Whatever your job is, you're supposed to love your job. It's a, it's a rule in life. You have a job. God gave you a job. Some people could, I want to be in that position. I could have been there. I should have been here. I'm a doctor. I should have been a lawyer. You have a job. It follows your tichunat nefesh It follows your nature. Again, this is not a whole class on this topic, but the Chavotavot discusses at length. He says, just like, um, okay, let me ask, uh, ask uh, who should we ask over here? Ask Ed Sapp. Eddie? Ed? You there? Not there. Okay. Yitzchak? Yitzchak? Also not there. Okay, everyone's getting scared to answer any questions. Moses is not scared. Moses. Moses, can I unmute you? Yes, unmute me. Did you ever hear of an anteater? Yes. Know what an anteater does? Yeah, it eats what, ants. Very good, Moses. Excellent. What color was George Washington's white horse? So do you know what, what, ant, what the anteater has? He has a certain tool that it allows him to eat ants. Do you have any idea? Yeah. Yeah, he has a very, very long, long tongue and a short, uh, long snout, thin, short snout. Good. Well, you know anything else about his tongue besides being very long? Yeah, it's very sticky. Ooh, look at that. Very good, Moses. So the, the anteater has a very long tongue and a sticky tongue at that. Now, uh, let's say the anteater woke up one morning and says, you know what? I think I, I don't like this job. What am I eating ants for all day? I want to chase mice. Now, how do you know 
that the anteater is wrong, Moses. How do I know he's wrong? Maybe he should be eating mice. How do you know? Because he doesn't have the tools to eat mice. Mm -hmm. Exactly. God created him with the tool set to do his job. So that, that's, that is the rule. We can go through all the animals. There's a certain animal that eats fish. And he has very tall, thin legs, and he has a very special beak, and he stands in the river, and as the water goes by, he bops his head down and gets the fish, and the fish don't see him because they think his legs are actually reeds. You know, you know what the name of that bird is? Um, I don't. Is it the flamingo? Flamingo? I'm not sure if it's a flamingo or a pelican. I get mixed up. But uh, we'll ask anyone who wants to chat us the answer you're welcome to. Okay, that's, that's our story. So um, anyone wants to chat the answer? Anybody? Pelican. Okay, Victor Sentin says it's a pelican. We'll trust him. So again, we can go through many examples. That's not our point. The point is there's something called the melacha. It doesn't say it's your job, it's your work. It's your work. Love work. God gave you a job. He gave you work. He gave you something to do, whatever it is, and it fits your, it fits your makeup, then go for it and love that. That's what Ehovah Temelacha means. Love your job. Come home at the end of the day and say, Baruch Hashem, I put in a job. I love my job. I love my job. Not, okay, you know, it pays the bills. What am I going to do? Okay, you know, I wish I could be somewhere else. What am I going to do next, Google? No. Got to appreciate and love your job. Ehovah Temelacha. Okay. Next, Snata Rabbanut, we said before, simply means <clears throat> positions of power. Altus Valorashut, we said the same thing, stay out of politics, and that's the end of Mishnah Yud, which we have left over from last week. Now we continue, <coughs> excuse me, with Mishnah Yud Aleph. Mishnah Yud Aleph. Okay, Mishnah Yud Aleph. It's very interesting. And uh, we'll see in a moment, we'll actually talk about it a little bit more. Um, okay, fine. So someone just, just posted, jobs change as times go on. So let me answer that question. Uh, my name is David Sutton. My grandfather's name was David Sutton. His name was Abraham D. Sutton. In the 1930s, or 20s even, he started a handkerchief company called A.D. Sutton and & Sons. And my grandfather and his brothers, my grandfather was uh, David, his brother was Sam, and uh, basically those are the two brothers that were involved in the business, they had a business. And their sons continued their business, my Uncle Albert, his first cousin, A.B., and their sons, and so on. Now, at some time in history, I don't know when it happened exactly, but sometime in history, um, at some time in history, the um, handkerchief business went sour when they came out with Kleenex uh, tissues. I don't know the exact date when they came out with Kleenex tissues. And because they came out with Kleenex tissues, uh, the handkerchief business went sour. Yes, there's still some people in the community that make handkerchiefs, but they're few and far between. And no one's selling handkerchiefs anymore. So they switched to handbags. That's not really calling business change because they were merchants. You could be a merchant and you could sell jewelry and you could sell handbags. You didn't really change your business. It was just a little bit of a, a change of, <coughs> of, I would say, product. You really change your business. I mean, you could be a broker on real estate and you're still sales. It means, it means that we say, you know what, your, your talent is 
you're a good talker, you're a uh, people's person, and you know how to make sales. You could be doing anything with that. You could be selling life insurance, or you could be selling pocketbooks. You didn't really change your business. You're using your inherent quality. You could be a caterer for that matter. You know what? You have a nice display and you're selling your product. And you, you, know, you could take those, that tool set and switch from handkerchiefs to, 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 to real estate to, 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 to be a caterer. It's all the same tool set. It didn't really change. You're really being the same, the same thing. It's, not, it's like the anteater uh, stopped eating small ants. It went on to bigger ants. So you know what? There's not that many ants around, so he's now eating, uh, he's eating um, I don't know, mosquitoes. Okay? Uh, so so you, have to be, uh, you have to be resilient. You can't be stuck and say, we're not saying over here that if a guy's been selling handkerchiefs, don't stick to handkerchiefs there's no handkerchiefs around. We're talking about sticking with your skill set. That means if somebody here, for argument's sake, Steve Shamber decides, you know what? Um, I'm sick and tired of kids in action. I'm getting old. I want to become a doctor. I'm sorry, Steve. Too late for you to become a doctor. It's not going to happen. You don't have the school skill set. You're a nice guy, but I'm not, I'm not bringing my, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to you for, as a doctor. That's just not Steve. Something else might be within his skill set. We're not saying, again, you stated the exact same thing. It's a basic concept, it's, and that's, that's the idea. Let us continue on with our next Mishnah. I hope I made that, uh, answer that question clear. Okay, so I have to learn how to do this, by the way, answering questions. I'm going to be on a, on a certain uh, venue soon where they're going to be, I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be sending questions, and so i got to practice a little bit. Okay, let's go on to our next Mishnah. <clears throat> okay, so our next Mishnah is a little very short and very cryptic. Cryptic in the fact that you have no idea what they're talking about. I'm going to read and translate. Avtalyon Omer, he was the second in the pair. Chachamim, I'm talking to rabbis. Not only rabbis, but even rabbis. <clears throat> Be very careful with the words that you say. Shema, maybe. Maybe there will be a decree of exile. And the exile will become a place with bad waters. And the students will drink after you from those bad waters. The Amutu, and they're going to die. Maybe that Mishnah, what in the world are they talking about? Rabbis, be careful what you say. You say something wrong, and you might go into exile. The students are going to drink bad waters and they're going to die from the poisonous waters. What in the world are we talking about? Now, this Mishnah, we'll find in one, was written in code. Why was it written in code? Because the message they had to say was a dangerous message. Because it was had to do with the times that they were in. And therefore, they said it in code. What does it mean? So we have to go back to our second Mishnah. The second Mishnah, or third Mishnah, actually. <clears throat> third Mishnah was Antignos Ish Soho. If you remember him, we're going to go over him in a minute. He made a statement. We'll get there in a second. We spoke about this last time. He made a statement that caused people to go off. It caused there to be a break in our religion because he wasn't so careful with his statement. And therefore, the rabbis later on, looking back, wanted to warn people not to make that mistake again, and we shouldn't have the same Chilul Hashem that happened. So what did he say? He said the following. He said, one more time. Now I'm going to read it to you with the explanation. 
Chachamim hizaru b'divrechem. Be careful with words. Shema tachuvu chovat galut. You're going to go to galut. The tiblu makom ma'im rabim. You're going to place the bad water. Says Harambam. Ma'im rabim kinui la'apikorsut. The Torah is called ma'im. Ain ma'im el Torah. Those of us that watch the Sunday shifty class, no. Ain ma'im el Torah. Stash, you there? Stash, unmute yourself, please. Yes. Please tell us the halakhic implication, halachalamaseh, based on the rule of Ain Mayim Ela Torah. Halachalamaseh. That we're not supposed to go three days without learning Torah. More than learning Torah, be a little bit more explicit. Hearing the reading of Torah. From a Sefer Torah. The reason why we can't go three days without reading from the Torah is because a person, a person is going to forget his Torah. And how do I know that? Because it says the people went three days without water. Ain Mayim Ela Torah. Now, if Mayim is Torah, you know what Mayim Ra'im is? You know what bad Torah is? Is there such a thing as bad Torah? Absolutely. I thought all Torah is good. Uh-uh. There's bad Torah. Bad Torah is called Apikorsut, heresy. So we're afraid. Rabbis, be careful. Because it might happen you're going to leave your town. You're going to go somewhere else. It was very nice in Aleppo. Everything was good. You might move to America one day. And there might be some apikorsut there. And because you weren't careful what you said, people will misinterpret what you said and twist what you said and use it as backing for the heretics. And that's what it means the students are going to drink and die. They're not going to die, physically die. They'll spiritually die because they drank the waters of heresy. And the name of God will be desecrated because of your, uh, the fact that you didn't choose the exact right wording. This is a very important Mishnah. And again, notice, it's unbelievable how they wrote it in code. That means the Romans can't come and say, hey, you guys are anti, you guys are anti-Christian, because Christians, by the way, started from this whole anti-Torah Shabal movement. You only use the written law, and therefore they came up with the New Testament and everything else. But I didn't say anything. What did I say there? Avtalion's so smart. Look at this. He's the best way to teach is called modeling. I don't know if you ever heard of that term, modeling. If you want to teach something well, Mars, can you explain to us what modeling means, Mars? Do I? Mars? What do you mean by modeling? If you want to model a concept, you have your you have a new salesman, you want to model fan. What do you do? You play uh, you go back and forth. You basically sit down, all right, and you you do uh, role play. Role play. You act it out. Exactly. You show him what to do. You see what I'm doing and you learn how to do it. So this rabbi is, is practicing what he preaches. He gave this Mishnah over in a very careful manner that no one would get into trouble. He is, he's living his own dictum. Be careful with what you say. No one could get him for saying anything. What I say? I just said, uh, don't drink bad water. I, whoa, whoa. I have anything against you guys? What did I say? I said bad water. So he was very careful how he spoke. And what was he afraid of? So he's going to tell you what, it, what, it, when, what, what, what happened. So the Rambam tells us what happened. One second. Rambam's example, again, is going to be that Mishnah that we quoted before. Let's go back to Rambam's Lashon. There we go. Rambam says, Ka'asher... 
the first precedent for our religion going out of whack because of a misunderstood rabbi was Antugnus Ishsocho. Like we said last time, and we're going to read this Mishnah again for those of you who are not here, and find out what was the slight deviation, and it meant all the, everything in the world because of this deviation. The Rambam quoted it to us. The Rambam quoted it to us. And now we're going to find out that it's not just the Rambam, it's Avotr Binatan. Avotr Binatan is another version of Pirkei Avot. And it was, it was, um, it was, it was, it was uh, just like Pirkei Avot was, is, is, is uh, Mishnah. We all know that Mishnayot came from a longer Breitot. Avot Binatan is a longer version. So I never knew where the Rambam got it from. But the Ramgam got it from Avot Binatan. So now I'm going to go back to Avot Binatan and we're going to read to you what it says there. So first let's read what Antigno said. He said, Don't be like students, I'm sorry, students, don't be like slaves, servants, that serve the master to get a pras. Rather, you should be like servants that serve the rabbi, not on the condition to accept the reward. <laughs> so the difference was they walked out because he wasn't clear, and they thought that it wasn't not on the condition to receive a reward. There is a reward, but not on the condition to receive a reward. Rather, on the condition not to receive a reward, that there is no reward. That was their misunderstanding. He, he said something in a way that caused them to think there's no reward. So now what happened? Let's read our story from Avot Natan. He had two students that, that learned. And they, and they taught, and they taught, and they said, one minute. What are they saying over here? I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like that these students, what we asked at the time, why don't they just ask him? It sounds like, and that's the same thing they're saying before, the students might misunderstand. I don't know if the people, Sadok and Baitos, actually uh, comment, this, this evolved somehow. And they dictated, later on they said, hold on. What are they saying? You're working all day, you're not getting paid at the end of the day? They only said this because obviously there's no Olamaba, there's no Tchiatamitim, because there was Olamaba, Tchiatamitim. Why would they make a statement like that that there's no reward? Must be there's no reward. Amdu, Pershum, and Atorah, they separated. In the two groups, Sadok and Baitos, etc. And it says, and they said like this. First of all, it says, they acted in a very wealthy way. They were very arrogant. And they said, There's a tradition that the Pirushim was the term used for the people that were the good guys. They called them Parush, which means celibates. And I think the term celibates actually came from that team as well, the bad team. They said about the religious, they just suffer in this world. So this, all, this whole movement started from the misunderstanding of this Mishnah. Because as they moved from city to city, and they, and they didn't have, it seems they lost some communication. That's what it talks about. The original statement was, you students are going to go into exile. They'll drink from the bitter waters, and they'll be a chul Hashem. So the lack of clarity in Antognus Ishsocho's statement is what caused everything to happen. So that's Avotu Binatan, and it's a, uh, the Rambam says it. So it's, 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 we have uh, this, again, this is tradition. So now, 
Any questions before I go further? I want to bring a point out. I just want to know if you have any questions. You can raise your hand. Everyone's getting very shy here lately, but okay. You could chat me a question if you like. If raising your hand doesn't work, chat the question. Okay, so I want to give you a little background over here. What is probably the most famous argument between the Sidukim and the Pirushim? The most famous argument between the Sidukim and Pirushim. Can somebody use your technique? Um, can someone please? Um, okay, someone just told me one. It's the, can we, could we, <laughs> could we have a fire on Shabbat? But that was actually the Kara'im. For some reason, the Sidukim did not say it. Our second answer just came in. Okay, let's give someone else a chance, another chance, a second or two. Um, okay, we got two people got the same answer. Uh, no. Uh, well, two people got the same answer. Anyone else? We're looking for one other possible answer. Big discussion about the Sidukim. They made a big issue about it. Uh, I'll give you a hint. They used to make the Kohen Gadol swear about it. Kohen Gadol had to swear. No. The Kohen Gadol had to swear about it. I'll add a little bit more hint. Uh, somebody here in this room probably reviewed Mishnayot with his son. His son learned that um, the, 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 the um, Kohen Gadol would cry and they would cry. The Kohen Gadol would cry and they would cry. There's someone who I'm not looking at him, but his son definitely learned the Mishnah. I tested him on it. They would cry. Nobody. Nobody wants to chat this to me. Okay. Teddy? Teddy. What is Shabbat? No, no, no. The Kohen Gadol. They would cry, he would cry. They would cry, he would cry. Um, or? or what? Moshe, Nahum. Moshe. Or, were you guys, are they there? They have any idea about the Kohen Gadol crying and they separated, they made him swear? What is it? When they made the Kohen they made him swear. You remember they made him swear? They would both separate and cry? What is it? Because they accused him for... Right, they accused him They accused him. What did they accuse him of? Remember? He's been out of school for a month or two. Because they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him, that's true. He cried and trusted. They didn't trust him about what? About burning? You remember what they didn't trust him about? About burning what? Okay, put him on the spot. Okay, shouldn't do that. Anyway, the ketore. Yeah. Had, had it, he said that? About burning the ketore. So there was a machloket, had to burn the ketore. Did you bring the, burn the ketore outside and then bring it in? Or did you burn it inside the Kodesh Kodashim? That's a machloket. And the other machloket is whether you start carrying Svirat Omer after Pesach or at the beginning of the week on a Sunday. Those are two major arguments they had in history. And we have to ask ourselves, what is that? why are these arguments so important? What, what are you fighting about? Do I burn the Torah inside or outside? Is that so important? Why is that so important? Do I bring the Omer the day after Pesach or wait another week on a Sunday? Is that so important? What are they fighting about? What is the issue? What's up? Why is it such a, a fierce fight? 
So I heard a beautiful explanation of a rabbi from uh, Lakewood. His name was Rabbi Ribner. He said like this. He said that, that um, if we go back to our Mishnah, let's look like a little diuk over here. What did Antignos say? Listen to two very important words. He said he used the word Eved, and he used the word Pras. Pras means, we said this last time to Rambam, Pras means something that you don't deserve. Pras means when a father brings, a son brings something to his father, he gets a pras. That's a prize. It's extra. What, is, what do they say? They say, Poel does melacha and doesn't take schar. What's the difference between a Poel and an Eved? And what's the difference between pras and schar? A Poel is a worker. You hire a painter, he's a Poel. A Eved, the Eved, he, he, he lives in the house. The Evan is an indentured slave. He has no, he doesn't have anything of his own. His whole existence is God. His whole existence is God. The difference between the, the Siduki approach and we'll call it the, 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 the Pirushimic approach was the Pirushim said, we're Avde Hashem. Of course Hashem's gonna give us a reward at the end. They didn't understand that. They misunderstood the whole, the, the whole the wording. We're getting a reward, but we're not doing it for the reward. We understand that we are indentured servants to God. We don't, he doesn't owe us anything. It's not reward, it's a pras. They look at it as, no, we're a poel. I'm a painter. You could hire me or I could walk out on you. You don't own me. It's up to me. We believe God created the world and everything and he made the world something from nothing. We don't have anything of our own. They looked at it, no, there's a God. Okay, he could boss me around maybe, but I could leave. He's my, he's my boss, but I, he doesn't own me. Now, this is the key point, and this has to do with why I'm going to Lent, because that's to do with Sfirat HaOmer. If you ask the Jew, when did our religion start? When does the religion start? Does the religion start? Our religion starts at Yitziat Mitzrayim. And that's why we have to count down to Matan Torah from Yitziat Mitzrayim, because we became an Eved. We're Avadim to Hashem. Eved means... We are owned by God. He doesn't owe us anything. That's why we start counting right after Pesach. They, they say, no, we're, we're, I'm, a, I'm a poel, I'm a worker. I'll start my job Sunday morning. I'm starting my job Sunday morning. But it's not, I, I'm not a slave. I'm not an Eved. I'm a poel that gets schar. Second machloket is, if you have to hire a carpenter, the carpenter doesn't go into your house and start doing everything in the house. He comes, he works in his, in his shop. He brings it in from the shop and he sets it up. He's not working in your house. He's not sawing the wood in your house. He has his own shop, he has his own existence. That was the argument. You're burning the incense. You burn the incense first, light it outside, get everything set up outside and then bring it in. Because according to them, the main thing is the product. So I gotta get everything ready outside and bring the product in. We say no. We're in heaven. I'm living in the house. It's not about the product. God wants my service. We toil, they toil. We toil and get rewarded. God wants the service. He doesn't want the product. He doesn't care about what you bring in the bottom line. He wants your work. So in the Kodesh HaKodashim, don't bring me the finished product. I want to see your work in the Kodesh HaKodashim. It's about the work. That is, that is the difference between the Pirushim and the Sidukim. And that's why, listen to this beautiful ending point. Why were they called fair in Torah Shabal Peh? 
What's wrong with Torah Shaval Peh? What do they hate the Gemara for so much? This is something going on for generations. They hate the Gemara. What's so, what do you hate the Gemara for? The, the Germans hated the Gemara. Why Gemara? Because Gemara is about the toil. It's about the work. It's not about the product. We're servants of Hashem. It's not about give me a product, give me a bottom line, give me a halacha. No. It's about the toil. It's the hard work. Hashem likes our hard work. We're his servants. He enjoys our work. That's the difference between the Sidokim, Baitosim, and us, the, the, uh, the Pirushim. And all this happens because of a little mistake. That's why four or five generations later, when they saw what happened, Avtalion gives his warning. Rabbis, beware. Beware. There are people that are going to distort what you say. They're going to take it someplace else. And people are getting into trouble. People are getting into trouble. That's our story. I'm going to have to end a few minutes early today. And Bezrat uh, Hashem, we wish everybody a wonderful day. We're going to end our recording now. And uh, again, if anyone has any 